Well, hello from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's edition, this week's class or webinar of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. I appreciate you being here. We're going to talk today about the Tree of Life. This is a classic model in mythology and mysticism that I think you'll find has relevance uh, to 21st century human beings. It helps to create a context and a perspective of who we are and how we fit in. It's a kind of a framework or a, or a, or a you know a blueprint, if you will, a template of how do I fit into the scheme of things. I had a conversation earlier this morning with some friends and we were talking about the concept of Gaia. I'm sure most of you have heard that word in the last few decades or even few years. Gaia, G-A-I-A. -A. The Gaia concept is, again, an ancient uh, pagan uh, myth. And, you know, by pagan, I, I, I don't mean just druids, but uh, the indigenous people of the world from all over the world um, before dogmatic religion, crystallized religion, uh, began to fight with itself. You know, one religion against another. My God's better than your God. My God is an awesome God and yours is not. Uh, that kind of stuff that we see all too much in religion. Uh, before religion, per se, uh, people worship. They, uh, we've always, as human beings in all times, had a longing in our hearts, uh, a feeling or a sense that there was something more. And our uh, ancestors, going back thousands of years to the pre, the unrecorded prehistory of humanity, saw that divinity in all things, uh, particularly in the growth process in nature. Uh, they had to have been fascinated by the way this piece of fruit that they found on the ground contained seeds that grew a tree or a bush or a plant that wore more fruit that had seeds in it. And it was as if the universe around them was reaching out to, to supply them with everything that they needed. And of course, um, what do we need more than food? Well, only clean water and, and good air. And that's provided also. The plant kingdom gives us the oxygen we need in exchange for the carbon dioxide. Now, our ancestors may not have understood that in the way scientists today understand it, but they still felt this symbiosis, this interrelationship or reliance on the plant kingdom, even if only that it supplied the food and later we verified, well, it's also giving us the oxygen. Thank you, plant kingdom. You would think we would want to protect that. Um, and then oxygen, of course, is recycled in its own way. That's all you need. Uh, oxygen, most important. Uh, can't live long without that, just a matter of minutes. Water, next. Can only live a few days without water. Food, we could live a few weeks without it. But those are the big three. Uh, which we all pretty much take for granted because we think air is everywhere and uh, unlimited in supply and that water comes out of the faucet and, well, I can get food at the grocery store. So you know, we need to open up our brains and 
think more comprehensively and more inclusively as our ancestors did about the larger systems. And that's what Gaia is. Not just the concept that the planet Earth is a living, breathing organism, but that all the life forms upon the Earth, the human kingdom, the animal kingdom, the plant and the mineral kingdom alike, are all part of one beautiful, integrated system where everything touches everything else. Ecology is an ancient concept, and Gaia carries that idea as well. And so this brings us to our topic today, the tree of life. Now, many of you who have studied in mysticism or metaphysics or mythology may think initially of the tree of life as part of the uh, Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah. And indeed, that's true. In fact, the system has been developed um, in a remarkable way. But I'm going to talk about it only in the simplest way, in a, a much more general way. For many cultures have references to the tree, or the tree of life. Uh, in fact, I was going to Google it this morning and bring in a list, but I got busy doing something else. So if you want to do that research, you can do it easily now with Google. Just put in tree of life and see how many hits you get and references to the tree as just the tree, think of it, the tree as a symbol of all life, our relationship with trees. It's a little ironic and yet appropriate that those of us who are ecologically minded and environmentally aware of what life is in the bigger picture and where it comes from would often be called tree huggers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I'm proud to be a tree hugger. I love trees. I, I, you know, I miss climbing in trees. When was the last time you climbed into a tree, right? Uh, we give that up, tragically, because what if somebody saw me up in the tree, an adult, right? So even 20-year-olds don't climb trees, much less 40-year-olds or 60-year-olds, but I dare say it would... Uh, be something for you to consider getting up in a tree someplace and uh, sitting up in the branches and noticing as people walk by underneath perhaps how few of them ever look up to see what's in the tree or, or just to look at the tree that's one of the great things that you discover as a kid if you want to hide from adults you can go up into a tree because they never think to even look up there. Tragic. And again, think of the allegory of never looking up, only looking down. Right? So I'm a tree hugger. I love to climb trees. It's been a while since I've been in a nice big tree that I could climb, but I would do it in a minute if I saw one that was accessible to me at my age. Ah, what an incredible feeling climb a tree but you know besides being a, a tree hugger and loving trees they represent not only the plant kingdom but as I'm going to explain it here today a middle position between earth and sky uh, a 
a kind of a bar magnet that unifies polarities of what at first look might seem like opposites, spirit and matter, or as I just said, earth and sky, sky and earth. To, to look at that in a more spiritual way. The bar magnet is a uh, very important way of describing the, the polarities of what Einstein described as energy in mass. And so, again, we're Westerners, so let's start with the empirical evidence and, <laughs> and work our way back to the more esoteric, perhaps. Uh, again, Einstein verified what the mystics have been saying all along, is that uh, there's really only two things at work. To borrow a phrase from last week, there is the appearance of things, the physical material world, the matter, uh, the mother aspect, mother nature, uh, which Einstein called mass, and a physicist would refer to as mass. It has uh, gravitational attraction. It has the appearance of being solid uh, uh, to a mythologist or to a mystic or a philosopher. Um, we would call it the form nature of things. To understand that that is a reflection of something invisible and unseen is a little confounding at first. How could a physical form something solid that I can lean on that has strength and pushes back, uh, how could that be a reflection or an extension of energy? Well, Einstein put an equal sign in between the two, and he said energy is equal to mass times the speed of light squared. At the speed of light squared, they're the same thing. The equal sign means they're convertible. The, that's all you've got in the universe is energy and mass. And this is accepted today. And yet understood, I'm arguing, by aware women and men, enlightened women of men, from the beginning of time. They didn't use exactly the same terms. Energy is usually referred to as spirit. And mass is usually referred to as matter or material. Again, you see mater comes from the Latin word for mother. So spirit would be of the masculine gender because it is causative and it radiates out into the world. And the material world, the form nature that is its reflection in these separated forms, the solid, physical, dense, material world, that's the matter, the material, or again, Einstein's word, the, the empiricist's word for the material world is mass. Energy and mass is spirit and matter. That's all you got, and they are convertible. In science, uh, we, we certainly understand half of the equation, the way in which mass, if broken up at the most fundamental level if we split the atom and we're able to do that with a atomic reaction a fission reaction, not a fusion not a bringing together but a fission a break
breaking apart. That's why we use plutonium in these very unstable, very heavy, lots of electrons in the molecule. Um, uranium and plutonium and these things are very heavy. They're very unstable. And they're, they're easy to bombard and explode. And when that happens, of course, because it's a material thing, incredible amounts of energy are released. So we can see that side of the equation. The other side of mass coming out of energy, you see in the sun, and that's fusion. This is where the sun actually creates existence. And one would argue, if they were metaphysically oriented, that consciousness can do the same thing, can bring order out of chaos or the material world out of a spiritual world through consciousness. Well, in many ways, that's what the tree of life represents, is that middle aspect, the consciousness or awareness between spirit and matter. So when we lift our consciousness, when we expand our awareness and see ourselves as more than mass or material or a physical, dense, separated being and identify with the consciousness we can take a middle position between energy and mass, between spirit and matter. And this is the soul. And this is the higher self. And this is spiritual love. And this is capital T truth. And this is consciousness. And this, my friends, is the tree of life. The middle. It, it's the bar magnet. In fact, this is one of the most amazing things about the tree, is if you were able to, like some giant, grab the trunk of a big tree, like a big old oak tree, could be any kind of a tree, and grab that tree by the trunk and pull it out of the ground and give it a good shake, would not the root system that is buried or rooted into the physical dense earth, the material world, the matter, the mass of things. Once you shook the dirt off, wouldn't that look a lot like the branches? Of course it would. And the trunk of the tree would be like the, the bar magnet in a sense. It's even oriented vertically as if the top part of the tree well, let me say it this way, because I'll bet a lot of you had the same experience I did in grade school, where a teacher had you sprinkle iron filings on a sheet of paper and shake it gently over the top of a bar magnet. And the electromagnetic field emanating from the bar magnet would attract the iron filings in such a way that they would reflect the otherwise invisible magnetic field, right? You would get an alignment of metal particles, iron filings on this paper, that would correspond to the magnetic field. You get a visible, visual and visible representation of the magnetic field around the bar magnet. And not only does it radiate around the side of the trees, but if you ever do this experiment or look at a diagram, a drawing of what that magnetic field looks like, 
It extends from the top like the branches of a tree. It extends from the bottom like the roots of the tree, as well as being a cohesive field of electromagnetic energy around the tree. So here you have, and somehow the ancients intuited this, in the tree of life, a representation of the bar magnet, of the fact that spirit and matter, energy and mass, are polarities in a sense, in the simplest and in the simplest sense, opposites. But in a more complete understanding, and this is where we bring in the middle aspect or the heart and the center of all of this, not simply opposites, but moreover polarities. And the reason polarities are not opposites is because they have a middle. The magnetic field around the bar magnet is the element that unifies what might appear to be opposites, energy and mass, spirit and matter, sky and earth, as above, so below. Remember the law of correspondence from a couple of weeks ago, the, the workshop we did here, the webinar on the ancient Hermetic or Egyptian philosophy, and the second law on the emerald tablet, the law of correspondence, as it is above, so it is below, and as it is below, so it is above. So you want to understand yourself? You know, seek the kingdom of heaven. You want to understand God in heaven? Know thyself. They're reflections of each other. Well, what unifies? They seem so separate. They seem so distinct and so different. Indeed, polarities of the bar magnet, the, the branches of the tree and the roots of the tree are about as opposite as you can get. It's the tree itself. It's the center point. It's the heart and soul of the system that turns what, a, what appears to be opposites of sky and earth or spirit and matter into a more unified field. Let's spend a few moments just on uh, electromagnetism here. And uh, we'll go back and pretend we're in the fifth or sixth grade um, or maybe middle school. You learn this in grade school. They teach it again in middle school, junior high. And then unless you're a science major, you probably are an engineer or something. You probably, that's the last you ever have to deal with this stuff. But anytime current flows, that electricity flows, and of course our model is spirit. Anytime spirit moves, all right, there is a magnetic field around it. Uh, if you were to take a fluorescent light bulb, a big eight-foot fluorescent light bulb, out to a high-voltage power transmission line out in the country someplace and stand under that high-voltage line and point the end of the fluorescent tube up, especially if it were, you know, nighttime or twilight, in all likelihood, that fluorescent tube would react. It would light up. It would begin to glow in response to the presence of the magnetic field around those transmission lines. Pretty far out, right? Because even though it's not radio, where 
we have a particular kind of electrical energy called RF, or radio frequency, that is designed to emanate or radiate from an antenna over long distances. Anytime electrical current or electricity, we believe it's the movement of electrons along a wire, a conductor. Anytime that happens, there's going to be some magnetism that radiates from it. This is the most primary relationship of electricity to magnets. Well, the reverse is true, and this is how we make electricity. You know that bill you pay every month for <laughs> electrical energy? Well, how is that made? By inducing a magnetic field, actually a spinning magnetic field, a turbine, around a set of conductors. So both things are true. Where current flows, where spirit moves, so to speak, there's a magnetic field around the wire. If we want to make electricity, we put a magnetic field around the wire, and that induces a flow of energy along the, the uh, conductor. Well, consider that that's what you are, or that that's what a tree is. Let's keep it simple for now, because you are the tree. But let's keep it simple for now. Consider that the tree is that conductor and that there is electricity moving through the tree. Only it's of a much higher frequency than we would normally think of when we talk about electricity. It's, uh, it's not physical electricity. It's spiritual electricity. <laughs> it's energy. Well, if it's flowing through that wire, then it's got to have a magnetic field around it. And uh, indeed, Many people are sensitive enough that they can feel, that's why they hug trees, they can feel the magnetism of this larger life form. Some people are so sensitive, they can feel it in smaller plants, which, like a tree, has a branching system to receive light from the sun. At the same time, it's got a similar system at its base, rooted into the earth. Every plant, tree, but every plant, is really a connection, you see, a conductor between sky and earth, between spirit and matter, between energy and mass. And again, this is philosophical in nature, our presentation here, here uh, every week, but keep in mind that the empiricists are on board with this. Energy Einstein wrote the theory of relativity, energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. E equals mc squared. You know it, even if you don't understand it. You've heard it, even if you don't know what it means. Now you're beginning to get a sense that we've known for almost 100 years now, empirically, scientifically proven, that everything in the universe is of two forms either energy or mass, either spirit or matter, and they're convertible. They're just two forms of the same thing. And that the energy or the spirit is primary to the mass. The mass is a reflection. The south pole of the magnet, the material end of the bar magnet, the roots of the tree, okay, are in the material because that's a reflection or an outpicturing, an extension of the spiritual. Now, this was understood so well by the ancients that they would often say and portray the tree of life 
as being upside down. It sort of begs the question if, as I said a minute ago, you were to, you know, like some giant grab a tree, shake the dirt off, it wouldn't be that different. The top and bottom show this splaying out of the magnetic lines of force, right? So there's not much difference between the branches and the root system. But the Kabbalists uh, had a point when they said that the roots of the tree of life are in heaven, not on earth. And the tree in mysticism is often portrayed upside down. And sometimes there's a series of trees, for there are the, the kingdoms stack upon each other, and there are ultimately four trees, but I, I don't want to get off into that. I'll just keep it simple and stay with the basic concept of the tree. And now, what do you mean you're turning it upside down so that the roots are in heaven? Well, think about it. You know what that means. It means that given that we're talking about two polarities or two versions of the same thing, that one is causal and primary to the existence of the other. And obviously, energy um, precedes mass. Spirit precedes or causes matter. Because the energy or the spirit side of the bar magnet is eternal and infinite. It's ultimately unchanging. It is the law. Whereas the material end of things, the mass, is a manifestation, an outpicturing or a reflection that exists in form, in time and space, and is forever in flux, growing and dying. Right? The seasons that we often talk about. Everything has its in-breath and its out-breath. All energy, all spirit vibrates, and it has its peak, its high point, its most positive amplitude, and then it falls off, passes the axis down to the trough, <laughs> the most negative amplitude. And uh, even the speaker that carries the sound of my voice to your ear right now has a yin and a yang. Even the speaker cone has a peak in a valley, a high point and a low point, a season, a vibration where it goes back and forth. All things have that. In form. All right. And so all of these, of course, are paradigms or teaching models, and they all have their limitations. That's why to understand the universe, we need many, many, many models. If it were easy enough that we could come up with a simple model uh, would have happened by now. And that's one of the problems, as a little aside here with the religion, is they're always looking for the one right model that trumps all of the other models. And uh, we're very quickly moving to an age where people that care about such things are going to have to study many models and and be conversant with basic philosophy and comparative religion, not which religion is right and all the others that are different are wrong, you know. The idea that all differences are opposites 
is one of the curses of a uh, of high stress thinking, the either or mentality, binary thinking. You know, all differences are opposites. <laughs> Where did we get that? Well, from school, and also from fight or flight. So we turn everything into a, a, a true false exam. Well, that's true about the material kingdom, the the bottom end of the bar magnet, so to speak. Here, uh, the roots in the in the earth, so to speak. That end of the bar magnet or the tree of life is always in flux, is always changing. But the north pole of the tree of life, the one that corresponds to heaven, uh, to the spiritual kingdom, to the above as opposed to the below, that is eternal and unchanging. All right, So this is a little more sophisticated than just opposites. Polarities always are. Because the third element, then, is the electromagnetic field around, as evidenced by the roots and the branches, but also around the trunk of the tree, around the bar magnet, okay, that unifies the appearance of opposites in the one whole thing. Now, some of you understand exactly what I'm saying, and you followed every word, and some of you are going, what? I got a little of that, but we'll just keep working with it. Keep playing with the idea. Again, we're talking about a kind of mental, emotional, uh, and spiritual calisthenics here. We have to exercise the brain to begin to think in these ways. To think as the ancient, as 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 our ancient ancestors understood about the relationship of the visible to the invisible, and. Uh, the material uh, to the spiritual, the earth to the sky, and the tree of life, which is the connection in between. The tree is really the soul of things, isn't it? You see, it, it represents the whole system. But that's the beauty of the bar magnet. It's the electromagnetic field around the bar magnet that unifies and harmonizes what would otherwise appear to be the opposites the North Pole and the South Pole are spirit and matter. Now, before I go further, I want to, uh, and I don't have much more to say about this, but I do want to remind you that uh, if you're listening live with us today on the 25th of January 2009, and you're on the telephone, that's wonderful. I really appreciate you being here. But if you're listening on the web, you have in front of you on the, on the screen a submission box where you can put a first name or a full name in the city where you are today. And right above that, some sort of question or comment, either about the topic we're talking about today or really anything else. I'd love for it to be about the topic or a variation on our theme for the day today. And then hit the submit button. Be sure you do that. And I've had a couple of people say, well, I wrote my question, but you never responded to it. you got to hit the submit button, and then I'll see that. And in just a few minutes, we'll go there, and if nothing else, say hi. Most people never do, but if you'd like to, uh, say hi. And uh, we'll acknowledge you, say hi back. And, uh, again, if you have a comment or a question about our topic, put it in there. That's one of the advantages of the webinar. Otherwise... It's just a podcast. And, and by the way, I should mention that in addition to the 
send one to a friend link we talked about before we started here today. This program is available by podcast. If you just go to the iTunes Music Store or visit the web teleconference page on my website, theagelesswisdom.com, click on the home page to go in and then web teleconference, you can do a number of things on that page. You can listen to the archives as streaming audio. You can access the upcoming program, today's webinar, the one we do every Sunday at 1 o'clock West Coast time. All right. But you can also subscribe to the podcast there. Or for those of you with iTunes accounts, go to the iTunes store and just type my name, Michael Benner, into the search box or Michael Benner Podcast, or go to the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store, however you do it, and put my name in. The two podcasts will come up, as a matter of fact. And uh, one says The Ageless Wisdom, the other says Breakthrough Radio. They're both the same right now. Subscribe to either, and you'll get this, uh, this program. I'd suggest you do The Ageless Wisdom. And if you're familiar with iTunes, if you go to the store... If you like to subscribe to podcasts and you're on board with all of that, I'd love for you, after you've heard a few of these, to leave a comment there. There's five or six people have done that already. Uh, a comment, a review. Give us a nice review and say honestly how you feel about it. I'd appreciate that as well, especially if it's a positive review. And uh, so, theagelesswisdom.com. Click on homepage to go inside. And then on web teleconferences, you can listen to the archives of all the past classes. If you misplaced the newsletter one week and you want to come to the current webinar on a Sunday like today, that link will also be there a day or two before each event. And down at the bottom, underneath the archives, a button where you can subscribe to the podcast as well. Okay, we got it in all the different forms and formats and flavors for you here. And... Uh, also, that tell one to a friend, as I was mentioning this morning before we began, for the live folks here, that's really valuable. That's really important if you forward these programs to other people. Okay. So uh, use that button for questions or comments on the tree of life, on this concept, and don't be intimidated by it. It's not that complex. But what is rich and wonderful about it is... Well, many things, especially the idea that there is a middle aspect, there is a trinity at work in reality. For Einstein, the middle element was the equal sign between energy and mass. Um, in the spiritual trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is really Father, Son, and Mother, but the church being a patriarchy had to take women out, so it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Confusing because the Son is certainly, you know, the Christ is Holy Spirit and the Father is Holy Spirit, but the church has messed all that up and got it all conflated. It goes back to the ancient Egyptian uh, king, queen, and prince, Osiris, Isis, and Horus is the same trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, not too many Christians or Catholics care to know that, but uh, nevertheless, that's the model. 
And the idea is that the sun, Horus, Christ, the Buddha nature, stands between spirit and matter. It represents the soul of things. It is the tree of life that is rooted in physical dense existence, but also rooted, in a sense, in heaven, you see, via the branches. And look at that bar magnet. Hopefully you will never look at a tree the same way. You will see the trees need and go out and plant something in the garden, and you'll feel the same thing. You dig a little hole, stick your tomato plant in there, and cover it up. You've buried the roots in the earth, leaving the branching structure exposed to the sun. Um, a gardener will often prune the suckers off a plant. These are the little non-productive branches that come out very close to the earth. Why? So that the energy, the spirit, if you will, that's moving through the tomato plant or whatever kind of plant you're putting into your garden here goes to the top leaves, right? Because those are the leaves that are shading the fruit but also pulling in the energy from the sun. Those are the, uh, It's the top of the plant that aspires to know the source of life. that will even turn and face the sun if you... If you notice, in the summer, your plants all sort of lean to the south. <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're reaching for the sun. At the same time, the other end of the, the plant or the tree is reaching deeper into the earth. Feel the poetry of this. This thing exists in the middle as the tree, the plant, the human being, the conductor of this energy, the bar magnet with its feet in the earth and its head in the sky. And it plays the role. It's just the emphasis is on the middle once again. You are the heart, you see. When you hug a tree, you and the tree are the heart of things, the soul of things. And both of those words mean middle or center. And that's where the action is. That's where the fun is. And the mysteries of mysticism and these mystery schools from time out of mind of this, of which this is one, the mysteries are always in the middle. The secret is always in the center. This is where the keys are kept in the sanctum sanctorum or the are the arcane arcana, the holy of holies, the, the center of centers, the heart of hearts. Okay. And if the brain doesn't get that, then let the heart understand that. The wisdom of the heart will get this. I mentioned a few weeks ago, and I'll repeat now, this old riddle. Because once you learn it, play with it, and understand it, this whole idea of the Trinity and the tree will be much more available to you. And the riddle was, that nobody knows who gets credit for this. It's found in several cultures, said in different ways from time out of mind. But basically the riddle is, what comes third, yet stands as number two, and makes the three a one? 
comes third, stands as number two, and makes the three a one. And it's the tree of life. It is the heart and soul of things. It is love. Not emotional love so much as spiritual love. It is truth with a capital T. It is consciousness. It is the sum of Father Spirit and Mother Matter, of Father Energy and Mother Mass, you see, is the middle. It comes third because the Father aspect of the Trinity had to create the material universe in order for the middle consciousness to spring out from the interface of spirit and matter, of energy and mass. So it comes third. Number one, spirit creates number two, material, the physical universe. The father creates the mother. And then the son is born at the center. This is why Christ is the son of man and the son of God. If you read the, the Bible carefully, and very few Christians ever do, Christ is referred to as both the Son of Man and the Son of God. He, he represents, as the Christos, the Buddha nature, the tree of life, the center or the middle. You see, the consciousness or the awareness, the soul, if you will, that stands between the source of all things and its physical reflection. It's a beautiful model. So, what comes third, but stands is number two, you see, and then the rest of the riddle, and makes the three a one. It turns these three parts into one whole thing. And this is the challenge that the Trinitarian Christians have in their battle with the Unitarian Christians. Unitarian Christians don't like the Trinity. And the Trinitarians have a real problem trying to explain the Trinity because they don't have the metaphysics, right? The church gutted it, took it out. It is afraid, really, for you to consider. It is heresy. I'll say it clearly. It is heresy in both the Catholic and Protestant religions, all right? Called the Protestants are the Protestants, but they're the Protestants and the Catholics find it heretical to talk about the pre-existence of the soul. You see? Actually, what the early church did was steal the soul and put itself between spirit and matter. The church put itself, long before the Reformation, before there were any Protestants, took out the soul and said, you don't have a soul until you're born. And even then, it's all dirty and rotten and full of sin and needs redemption, right? You're not a very good thing. When the ancients, even the early church fathers, the early Christians believed in the preexistence of the soul, right? So that's where the heresy comes in. How many millions of our ancestors were tortured and waterboarded and murdered by the Inquisitors and the Crusaders for believing in the concepts we're talking about today, simply said that the soul exists from the beginning of time. All right. As the consciousness, as the tree, as this middle element, the heart and soul of things, 
that comes third, stands as number two, and yet makes the three a one, turns the trinity into one whole thing. A bar magnet with poles, positive and negative poles of any bar magnet that are not opposites. They would be opposites if there were no third element. But the third element is the middle element that unifies what would otherwise appear to be opposites in the polarities. And to play with that concept, um, I mean, you start thinking about a pair of gloves or a pair of pants. A pair of pants, even more than a pair of gloves. It's like one thing is a pair of pants, but you have two legs. So... <laughs> Why is it a pair of pants? Why wouldn't a pair of pants be two pants? One I can wear today and another one for tomorrow. The language is funny and reveals some of the conundrum that we're dealing with here. But in a practical sense, and I'm about to go to the, the questions here that you guys are submitting, in a practical sense, in an everyday sense, this is how we break out of either-or thinking. You know, we've just been through eight years of being dominated and ruled by binary thinkers. Bush saying very clearly, you're either with us or against us. You either support me and my policies, or you are with the evildoers. Now, that appeals to, I don't want to say, how can I say, well, the media calls them low-information voters, although most low-information voters don't bother to vote, so that's a nice way of saying uneducated, unsophisticated people who think reflexively, behave without critical thought, are reactionary and see the whole world in terms of everything or nothing, black or white. This is instinctual behavior, and if you're in the animal kingdom, that's fine, but we're human beings. We're not just animals. It's not just fight or flight. We have the ability, this is what it means perhaps for us to have dominion over the lower kingdoms, to be in the image of the creator. We have this third element. That's what the tree represents, really, a system with a heart. We have this middle position. In Buddhism, this is called the mystic's path, the third way or the middle way. But it represents all the permutations and combinations, all of the possibilities. You know, everywhere on the bar magnet, there is the influence of both poles. As you move from the middle of the bar magnet toward the south end of the of the bar magnet, the influence of the of the south end, the so-called negative end of the bar magnet, grows stronger. But there's no point on the bar magnet, no matter how far south you go, that is devoid of the influence of the north. And the same thing if you go the other way, if you rise toward the north end of the bar magnet, the influence of the positive end of the polarity. Um, gets greater and greater, but at no point does it lose touch with being, you know, part of one bar magnet. It's the heart and soul, the magnetic field around it that unifies it. So that you can't have a positive without a negative. You cannot have a negative without a positive. 
You cannot have good without evil, nor evil without good. You cannot have love without a broken heart, without loss, without betrayal. It may be tragic, and it may be crushing at times, and make life so difficult to suffer. But we can not only suffer through it, not only tolerate it, we can be we can adjust where we are on the barmaid. We can move up and down. We have consciousness. We can be that consciousness. We can stop looking for love and be the love that we've been looking for by an intention. An intention to do three things to study to attend these webinars and others like it, to read good books that, that contain the reflections, whether they're contemporary or ancient or whatever, to study, to seek out people that are similarly minded, perhaps, they're spiritually oriented, but they're studying a different religion or a different tradition or a different spiritual path and you deliberately and consciously seek them out not to reinforce what you know so much as to add to and even challenge what you think you realize or know the second thing is meditation we're going to do it today regardless of name meditation contemplation introspection reflection, daydreaming, <laughs> self-hypnosis, biofeedback, progressive muscular relaxation, autogenics, yoga, martial arts, gosh, there's so many names for it, but in addition to study, you've got to have time to reflect upon what you're studying. And then the third element, to be the tree, to be the heart and soul, to be the consciousness between spirit and matter, between energy and mass, between sky and earth, is mindfulness. You've got to study. You've got to meditate. Go Use altered states, a closed-eye process of some sort, where you're feeling safe enough and relaxed enough for the brain to concentrate, focus, and expand its awareness. And thirdly, mindfulness which is bringing that bigger picture, that sense of detachment to your daily life and affairs as you're walking around in the world. To be in the world, yeah, you got to be in the world, but you don't need to be of the world. Then you're just an animal. Now, I love animals. I don't mean to demean them or degrade them. They're very zen-like, very in the moment, but they don't reflect. They don't have the ability to detach, to unclutch, to let go and take a step back in order to see the bigger picture. That's all mindfulness is. It's the detachment necessary to not be the thought, but be the one that looks at the thought and decide, is that smart or is that stupid? Is that appropriate in this case or could I modify it a little bit? What can I save? What can I keep? What can I redeem and uplift? And what must I leave behind and let go? 
Sometimes I think of the Athenor and the ancient alchemist, the ovens, where they learned that the way, the best way perhaps, to get gold out of ore containing gold is to heat it up real hot. And they found that everything that was not gold, the impurities, so to speak, or the dross, the old metallurgists, the early chemists, the alchemists, with traditions going back to prehistory in Egypt, what they called the dross, the impurities, all of that burns away under the heat of the oven, the athenor, leaving the most pure gold led to gold. As if the fires of the Athenor, as if the adversity of life, the hardships, the broken hearts, and the challenges, the friction of living in the world wears us down, breaks our heart, but what it kills, what it destroys, is only that which is not real in the first place. What dies when you have a broken heart? wasn't real in the first place. It's real enough to the material end of the bar magnet, but there's another end. There's a spiritual end that is eternal and infinite. And you move up the bar magnet. You move up the tree. You, you climb the tree, like Jacob's ladder, the stairway to heaven. From the roots, from identifying with only physical dents and the separated forms, through harmony toward unity. From separation through harmony toward unity. It's a beautiful, beautiful model. I hope some of this is making sense to you. Study, meditation, mindfulness. Make it a point to do all three of those things in your life. Mindfulness is sort of the, you know, bringing study and meditation into your daily life and affairs and being in the world, taking care of business, but not being of the world, being mindful enough that, you know, as Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage and we're just players in the stage. So let's look at some of the comments and questions here today. Again, I really appreciate you being with us today. We've got a nice turnout. And uh, hope you'll tell your friends about it. And stay tuned, because in just a few minutes we'll do a little guided imagery exercise. We'll install... Um, in a focused level of mind so that you're more likely to comprehend and, and retain uh, the information presented here today. We'll do a little guided imagery uh, visualization exercise for you in just a few minutes. So let me say hello to the people that uh, are with us live today on this 25th of January, 2009. From Cerritos, Kareem is with us today. And he says, hello, aloha, and aloha, Kareem. One of these days, one of these days, I will do a webinar just on uh, aloha, because everything that we've talked about is in the word aloha. Uh, the, the Pacific Island people are mystics, as are most uh, indigenous peoples. Um, Again, a Christian might call them nature worshipers, but as you can tell by today, it's a little more complex than that. So aloha means hello and goodbye, but my goodness, so much more than that. Aloha represents love 
in the higher aspect, in the spiritual sense of love, not simply um, emotional love. Again, we've talked about the broken heart. And, uh, you know, that's emotional love. It can be broken. It can be shattered. You can be, you know, you can lose it. <laughs> spiritual love is uh, cannot be broken. It is not fragile. It doesn't have the ebb and flow, the in-breath and out-breath so much. It sort of stands above and unifies all things. That's what aloha is. It's spiritual love. It's truth with a capital T. It's consciousness. It's a point of view that says everything is everything. That no thing, in spite of its appearance, we talked about this last week, regardless of appearance, no thing is as separated as it appears to be. For all things are of and from the one light. And in, in a way, to greet someone with aloha, thank you, Kareem, is somewhat like using the Sanskrit term namaste, namaste, or namaste, which means literally, I greet the divine in you. I see the separated person in front of me. I may even recognize that you are of the male or female gender. Uh, I might see that you're of a certain ethnicity, but I'm not even saying hello to that part yet. Namaste. I greet the violet flame within you. I see God in you. Now, tell me about the separated self <laughs> that is extended out into form. Aloha is sort of the same way. More than you ask for, but thanks. Uh, we'll do it. We can do a whole show on some of these Hawaiian concepts. And Lahabra Carol, of course, is with us today, saying hello to uh, both Doreen and I. And thank you, Carol. In Tucson, Arizona, Lorelai Hatch says, Aloha, Michael and Doreen. She says, a great, a great topic. Too often we take Mother Nature for granted, and she is such a vital part of us. Lorelai capitalizing vital and us. And yet so invisible to many. Thank you for doing this uh, awesome claps. Keeps me going and growing. Thank you, Lorelai. Takes one to know one. You know, you guys, by your very presence here, identify yourself as uh, very, very special, open-hearted people. Out of Pasadena, Tom says, Can you describe the magnetic feeling one receives from hugging a tree? Apologies if this seems like a silly question. I have a couple of large, lonely oaks <laughs> in my backyard. No, it's the silly question that is often the, the best question. You know, asking the questions we're afraid to ask. Uh, no, it's a wonderful question, and I can only tell you what it feels like for me. It feels like the tree hugs you back. Okay? When you climb a tree, uh, it always felt to me like the tree is embracing me. Uh, I feel like, I think the way my kitty feels when he climbs up on my lap or lays on my belly. And uh, I've lost enough weight now that my cat actually can lay on my belly. A year ago, he would have rolled off. But <laughs> to hug a tree is, I think, to feel the tree hugging back. You feel enveloped or embraced by the electromagnetic field that surrounds that tree, by the aura, if you will. 
you also feel connected to the plant kingdom. And uh, as we aspire to know the spiritual kingdom above us, all the more reason to be grounded. I mean, look at lightning. What is that but spirit seeking matter? The father seeking the mother, right? It's energy looking for mass. It wants to be grounded. You can't make electricity flow in a circuit without a ground connection. It's got to be grounded, plugged into the earth. There's even a little symbol in electrical transcription, these lines that uh, represent the earth. It's sort of an upside-down pyramid, oddly. Uh, a ground stake, you know, driven into the, into the ground. Most of you don't realize it, but the whole electrical system in your home is grounded into the earth. That's where energy goes. And even in your car, you have the frame of the car as a grounding system. So you only have one wire that's going to uh, the to, to power all the electronic devices in the car. So where's the circuit? Well, the body of the car is the ground. That's the return leg. They use the chassis of the car. You see, even on a boat, it's grounded, <laughs> though it's called a floating ground or an artificial ground. So yeah, go hug those big lonely oaks, Tom, and thank them what they represent, as well as what they do in terms of providing shade and and nuts for the animals and aerating the soil and friends in the plant kingdom with the big trees. Give them a hug. And if you can, climb up in one or two. Build the kids a tree house. My goodness. Intervine, Robert Fiegel's with us again this week. Uh, Robert, hello. He says, hi, Michael. If If we are a sensitive being, then like a magnet, we should pick up a lot of different feelings from around us that are not necessarily our own and would not then have to be, let's see, and we would not then have to be careful. Oh, I see, it's a question. And would we then not have to be careful not to mistake others' feelings for our own? Just an observation. Excellent class. As always, peace and love, Robert. It's a very good point, Robert. And... Uh, you know, in the 60s, we had a phrase uh, of vibes. We can feel the vibes. Uh, the Beach Boys did the song, Good Vibrations, suggesting there may be vibrations that are not good vibrations or bad vibes, right? And as uh, our generation, the boomer generation, began to experiment with uh, psychedelics, uh, marijuana, LSD, and uh, psilocybins, uh, mushrooms, and mescaline, you know, all rooted in the plant kingdom, they became even more sensitive to these vibes. And I think lots of people can relate to coming into a room, for example, after some hostility has taken place, an argument or some nastiness or negativity, and you have no physical cues of this having happened at all, and yet you can feel the vibes, right? I remember taking a motorcycle trip through uh, Redding in Northern California, Mount Shasta, Redding, and there's a little city called Shasta nearby. And we stopped there for a break, let the blood get into our butts a little bit, and walk around, and there was a, a gallows out behind this old courthouse that they preserved. 
and uh, it had a very ominous vibe to it. You could feel that vibration. So, yes, the good news is that by developing your consciousness and your awareness through study and meditation and mindfulness, you move up the tree, so to speak. You get a, a higher perspective, a more elevated point of view, and it's easier for you to discern the good vibes from the bad vibes or your energy and your particular feelings from the energy and feelings of other people. Um, and that that distinction, that discernment, um, just comes naturally and normally with the evolution of consciousness. But it's a very good question. Thanks. Appreciate that. Let's take a look at a couple of more before our exercise from Irvine. We have Robert. He says, uh, very beautiful. Thank you for a wonderful discussion. Robert's a ham radio guy uh, like me, and he understands electricity, and he knows that any time as a ham radio guy you put an antenna in the sky that you're only half done. You know, you have a connection in the back of your transmitter with two wires. They're usually coaxial. The inner wire, the one in the middle, you have this on cable TV, too. Unlike a telephone where they're side-by-side, side, coaxial, the middle one, that's the one that goes to the sky. That's the spirit end, you see. But around it is a braid, another conductor, a sheet, that is connected to the ground. And the antenna will not work. You can reach as high into the sky as you want. But if the other wire isn't hooked to the ground... You don't have an antenna system. You need the ground. In fact, in radio, you have a sky wave and a ground wave. All right? It's cool. Again, I, I often tell my students, go to Radio Shack and buy the most simple book on electronics that you can to promote your understanding of spirit and how it works. Understand electricity. Understand magnetism and the relationship of the two. Even in the most elemental way, it will really enhance your sense of yourself as an energy being, as an electrical being, as a physical conductor through which spiritual energy flows according to these same magnetic laws. Okay. So, I'm sorry, he, he goes on, he says, I agree with you, we need to synthesize different models to get a better understanding of life. Um, so be comparative in your approaches. Um, Robert goes on, he says, I'm enjoying relating the concept of the tree of life to the law of correspondence. And uh, he says, that tells us that our outer world is nothing more than a reflection of the inner world as within, so without. Yeah, definitely. And again, if you missed the program we did, was it two weeks ago? I think so. Last week was appearance versus substance, and the week before was the Hermetic traditions. And we talked about the Emerald Tablet and Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus, and that second law, that second rubric, is the law of correspondence. As above, so below. And as Robert's reminding us, there's a corresponding law to the law of correspondence. Wouldn't that make sense? So, as above, so below what we're talking about here today uh, with the tree, you also have as within, so without. And now the golden rule makes sense. The cornerstone of all philosophy, east and west, treat others 
as you would have them treat you, right? do unto others. Uh, that's the law of correspondence in the horizontal plane. So you have a vertical version of the law of correspondence, as above, so below. The horizontal version is as within, so without. And as it is without, so it is within you. Beautiful concepts. And there's your cross, those two bar magnets. The vertical bar magnet, spirit and matter. The horizontal bar magnet, the yin and the yang. There's your pre-Christian cross, right? A sacred and ancient symbol before Christ ever incarnated in, in Bethlehem. On Apple Valley, Don is with us, says, I've been struggling with being root-bound due to things I have not dealt with very well. Deaths in the family, job loss, addiction. Your weekly wisdom is a real gift. Thank you. Well, Don, thank you. Being root-bound, boy, that's nice. You know, it just reminds me, Don, I, it's been a long time since I've seen you eyeball to eyeball, many, many years, but didn't you used to write some poetry? I'd love to see you do something around that. If I'm right, and you used to write some poetry, I'd love to see a couple of verses on what you're talking about. I think that'd be good for you, and I'd love to see it, too. And then out of Oceanside, Roberto is with us again. Hello, Robert. Uh, he says... I will garden with a whole new insight now. Amazing stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Be that which is not only rooted in the earth, not root bound, <laughs> but reaching deeper and deeper into the earth for the sustenance that life provides. But at the same time, you know, to reach for the sky. That's the tree. That's your tomato plant. That's all living things in the plant kingdom, showing us in many ways who we are. In Montreal, Charlotte is with us. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Michael. Thanks for these mystery school classes. So enlightening. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And in Las Vegas, Greg is with us. Greg Simonian says, hello. Glad to be back. Missed a few webinars. Happy New Year. And um, let's see. She's saying, or, or Greg is saying, Happy New Year to uh, Doreen and I. After 25 days into the new year, may this be a healthy and prosperous year for you all around the world um, to bring normally, to bring normality. Oh, I see, to bring normality. That'd be nice. Love, peace, and an end uh, to the chaos for all mankind. Thank you again for all you do. I, I get that you folks are seeing what so many of us are, are feeling, which is that what's happening now is much bigger than politics and much bigger than Barack Obama and his ideas. It's like this collective sigh of relief all around the world, you know. I often find myself going back and forth between uh, singing Happy Days or Here Again to Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Watching that helicopter fly out of there, taking Bush away, go away, bye, bye. <laughs> Boy, and I worried about Reagan. I worried about Bush 41. I worried about Reagan. Nixon used to scare me. These guys were pikers compared to what we've just been through. And Kareem and Cerrito says, I always wondered if daughter 
fits into any trinity or similar concept. Yeah, daughter is the same as son. It's just usually referred to as daughter, I mean as son, uh, because again, the progression, even on a bar magnet, besides the magnetic field, is from the North Pole to the South Pole. Spirit is causative to matter. And that's why in one model you have spirit represented as masculine gender and the material as feminine gender. But of course, it's only for the model, for ultimately God could not be less than all that is, and its reflection and form uh, contains aspects of all that is. So Father Spirit is really Father, Mother, God, all that is, and the material world is ultimately all polarities. And, and the offspring, the, the son or the daughter, is the interface of the offspring of spirit and matter. But again, I think referred to as son rather than daughter, as the child, like Horus or Christ, or the Buddha nature, um, primarily because spirit is causative to matter. But again, it's got to loop around. The matter has got to return to the spirit, or the circuit isn't closed, right? So that's why we all aspire um, to want to know more about spirituality and the relationship of all things. We just have a few minutes left, so let's do a... Um, guided imagery exercise, install this concept a little bit, and uh, then we'll let you go. So if this is a good time for you, I want you to get comfortable, puff up the pillows, and uh, sit erect. If you'd like to lay down, you can. Worst that'll happen is you fall asleep, and if you do, you probably needed it anyway. And close your eyes. And allow me to guide you. Listen to my voice. My voice will be the trail and will bring you back. And create and sense with your eyes closing now a feeling of relaxation. Maybe take a nice, slow, deep breath or two. And especially as you exhale, create and sense a letting go feeling. Personally, I like to imagine a letting go as if I were a stick of butter that was gradually softening on a warm day. And I feel myself softening slowly toward the center of my being, letting go of my resistance. And imagining if there were a flow of energy, if there were currents, albeit subtle, flowing, through my body, from head to toe and back again. How would those currents feel as I become less rigid, as I let go of muscular tension, of anxiety and stress? And consider that you are in a beautiful place, a, a, a natural paradise of some sort. And the feeling you're making it up, well, that's exactly the right feeling. And while you continue to allow my voice to guide you, you could imagine easily hearing birds singing and the wind in the treetops. Maybe the sound of a little stream spilling down the hillside, splashing on rocks. 
as you just wander through the forests and the open sunny meadows, whether you're high in a mountain or deep in a valley, wherever you find yourself, imagine that you're far from the roads and the highways, farther still from the cities in a beautiful natural paradise. And you come upon one particular spot that seems so inviting, and you sit upon the earth here. Or maybe it's a big rock that you just feel like you ought to be sitting on top of. Or a tree stump. And as you sit upon the earth, that rock, that log, your tree stump, You imagine the base of your spine, like the root system of a tree or a plant, reaching into the earth. Feel the connection deeper and deeper into the earth, into the mother aspect of physical dense, mater, the material, as if you needed to absorb from the mineral kingdom. The elements of the earth, minerals, and other forms of sustenance, essential to life. Feel yourself rooted, grounded in the earth. At the same time, Imagine a gentle precipitation down, like a, a gentle spring rain. In Hawaii, we call them kili, or a noe-noe, a mist finer than any spray bottle could mist, <laughs> a very gentle, sweet precipitation down upon you of spirit that also sustains you and supports life even more than the earth itself. But you have access to both, rooted into the earth. You at the same time branch out and reach up to receive more of this precipitation as rain, as light, as energy, as spirit. So that you, in this way, very easily and effortlessly feel yourself connected or rooted to both sky and earth, to spirit and matter. And you are the conductor. You are the tree trunk in the middle, connected to earth and sky. You are the magician. You are the wizard. You are the soul. You are the consciousness, the love, the truth at the center of spirit and matter. You are the Christ, the Christos, still developing, still growing toward enlightenment. You are the Buddha nature, beginning to realize the truth of who you are with your feet in the ground and your head in the sky. Be that I am. 
Come back here and repeat this every day, even if just for a couple of minutes. Or use it as a prelude to a longer meditation. Whether specific in nature, visualizing desired outcomes, or a receptivity and openness, a contemplation to your intuitive nature. And tell yourself, this is easy to do, it'll be easy to remember. As you turn your attention from my voice to the room around you, remembering where you are, inhale slowly, hold for a moment, and as you exhale, feel the letting go and open your eyes now, wide awake, alert, feeling rested and refreshed and back in the room, aware of this incredible position in the middle that we occupy as both spirit and matter. And the responsibility that we have to remain grounded, but as Don said, not root-bound, you know, a little of both. Find the balance. It's a dynamic balance. Bring that balance to your life. Be the middle fulcrum. Find that balance point. Find that blend. Sometimes you need to be more spiritual and less of the world. Sometimes you may have to turn your attention to the so-called realities of physical dense move up and down the bar magnet but you are the one that decides where on the tree you are at any given time okay we're all out of time gotta go thanks a lot remember to use the send one to a friend gadget and if you haven't yet visited focuspassion.com all kinds of free stuff for you there and we'll give you the whole darn thing for free if you want but we'd like you to contribute these programs to other people and if you can contribute 99 cents a week to defray the expense, we'd appreciate that too. You decide your level of contribution at FocusedPassion.com. Use the button on the web right in front of you. Help us change the world at FocusedPassion.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. Join us next week. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Mount.